Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Before you get to the show, make sure you check out theringer.com for our extensive NBA playoff coverage leading up to the NBA Finals. Also look out for a 2019 NBA Draft Guide, which now features 50 of Kevin O'Connor's scouting reports. The Draft Guide has a first-round mock draft, big board rankings from our draft experts like Jonathan Charks and Danny Chow, and much more to come leading up to the draft itself on June 20th. Once again, check out the Ringer's 2019 NBA Draft Guide and all of our NBA coverage over on theringer.com. Hello and welcome to the penultimate edition of The Recapitals Killing Eve. I'm your host, Allison Herman, and I'm here, as always, with Kate Hallowell. Hello. Kate, this episode, Wide Awake. Oh, yeah. I'm wide awake after oh, watching yeah. this. <laughs> it's, it's really, I, people keep asking me how the end of the season is, and I'm always just like, it's really cooking. <laughs> I know, like, I know. I try, like, I'm like trying not to spoil it, but I'm trying to be like, it's insane. I feel like we can be transparent and say that we do technically have a screener of the finale, oh but neither of us has watched yet. It's because real we are power on our part. We are responsible oh, podcast are. hosts who are dedicated to the public service we provide to the Killing Eve fandom. Yes. But like, I am literally going. Going home after this to watch because Same. oh my god what an episode what a cliffhanger yeah we need more let's just get into it let's do so it. real quick what was your tweet length overview of what we just saw my tweet length review is if crushing two pasta dishes in a row is all it takes to impress a psychopathic ceo sign me up for the next mi6 mission Agreed, but unfortunately, I don't think that's really what, <laughs> that all it takes? what attracted Aaron Peel to Villanelle. It was their, part of it. It's part of it. It's part of it. You're you're right. It's crucial. <laughs> What's your review? When the moon hits your eye like a total alienation from personhood and the accompanying disregard for human life, that's amore. <laughs> Listen, people bond over what people bond over. Psychopaths love psychopaths, you know? If they're capable of love, but... <laughs> This is the match made in hell. It is. Allison slacked me right after this episode and was like, do we ship it? <laughs> I was like, I don't not ship it. <laughs> like a little bit. A little bit. Towards like the maybe end. they've I'm kind like, of found each other. Oh, you little weirdos. You're like the yin and yang of like psychopaths. So basically <laughs> the point of this episode was to bring Villanelle and Aaron Peel in the same room and to start playing them off one another. Yes. I did think it was a very interesting fake out that earlier in the season we had the ghost. Right. Who we kind of thought was like Villanelle's true peer slash rival. Yes. And it turns out that was a little bit of a fake out. Uh-huh. And actually... Yeah, Aaron Peel is way more interesting than we gave him credit for. This is true. He I- was kind of just like the douchey bad guy. I think we held his being a man... On this show. I mean, I, I still am, but, you know, he, he's he's been more developed than we expected. He's, he's definitely, like, the most competent man. For sure. Yeah, the men on the show need need some work. No offense to Constantine, <laughs> but he got shot. Yeah. Kenny's too nice. Kenny is too nice. Poor Aaron Kenny. Peel's the only one who can really, like, play with the, the big You're girl, right. so to You're speak. You're right. But as pretext for this meetup, there yes. is some plot. So there we're is. just going to knock it out with Plot Corner. Let's do it. So we find out what the weapon is. Uh Uh-huh. It's not a weapon, really. Or it's a weapon in the wrong hands, which are the only people who have any access to it. It's kind of like a database of, like, just all the information you could possibly want. Yeah, it's like Cambridge Analytica on steroids. So, basically, the goal is Villanelle has to get to Rome. 
to find out what this weapon is and who they're selling it to. She has to like suck up to Aaron in order to get there or not suck up as she hit him in the face of the book. And, that's and apparently that did the trick. <laughs> so basically she meets Aaron at this restaurant and they have an exchange that will play. You like buying things. Go on. I like owning them. I like looking at them. You're a collector. I guess so. Of what? All kinds of things. Things that make me feel something. I'm going to Rome. Come with me. So basically, as soon as Villanelle lets on that she does not feel things, that she is a sociopath, a psychopath, whoever you want to put it, immediately Aaron Peel is like, come away with me. Literally takes like two seconds. And she clarifies, I'm not going to sleep with you. And he's like, don't worry. I'm not into that. I don't want that. Which is, you know, different from a lot of the men that interact with Villanelle. So like that's, I think, immediately sort of confusing and interesting to her is like, like, what kind of person are you that you don't want to sleep with me? Because <laughs> that's yeah, it's rare. Sort of, <laughs> definitely. It's very difficult for me to read throughout the episode how Villanelle is responding to Aaron's behavior yeah. because he obviously sees something in her, even though she reacts to their shared temperament very differently, as uh-huh. we'll discuss. But she obviously doesn't like being controlled or told what to do. Yes. And that's his whole thing. And she's clearly putting up with it a little bit because she has to. Right. But I will be curious to see in future, like, how what her true response to this yeah, is. Yeah, because she's kind of, like, reacting as Billy half the time. And so it's hard. And she's basically, like, in character this whole time. So it's hard to see whether, like, she's just putting up with it for the job or whether she actually is, like, interested in him and interested in, like, what his whole deal is. Yes. And before we can find that out, so she does successfully make it to Rome. She's put up in this palazzo. And she is told to look really bored during dinner while Aaron is, like, vetting potential buyers, including a couple of Russian businessmen. And this is where we see Aaron's demonstration of why this weapon could actually be a weapon, which we'll play a clip of. You texted your mother just before you arrived, just to tell her you love her. You had a caprese salad for lunch and a secret packet of Haribo Tang Fastic sitting in the back of your car. You inputted them into one of the many calorie counting apps I own. You told your wife yesterday that you had to work late, when in fact you were spending the evening with your boyfriend Gregor at the Hotel David. You watched two episodes of Gossip Girl together and had sex twice, once at 10.23pm and again this morning. Gregor will start blackmailing you shortly, by the way, from the looks of his text messages. Your areas of vulnerability include your mother, your daughter, not your son. You don't really like him, do you? And an old school friend called Philip. You're self-conscious about the size of your penis. Don't worry, it's average if a little on the thin side. And the fact you're going bald, your wife once thought about poisoning you, but she didn't go through with it. And you dream about ice skating. Several notes. What is it with this show and people who don't love their sons? It's a good point. It's a continued theme. (laughs) It's a recurring motif. I think knowing what he dreams about is like a little bit of poetic license. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> just, yeah, just a tad. Unless like there's some sort of app, like dream, like dream journal or something that he's putting his ice dancing dreams into, or ice skating dreams into, and that's how he knows. Because that's how Very, he knew about the Haribo gummies was yes. the food app. Um, Which also that was my my final thing. I guess yeah. of, of the many things the Peel Company or Faraday or whatever we're calling it uh-huh. does, I guess they're in the calorie counting app business. Yes, you know there are a bunch of different apps out there these days. A lot of good options, um, and also love Gossip Girl. You know. Love to bond over Gossip Girl. (laughs) We have that in common with murderous Russian gangsters. We have so much in common. So 
Attentive listeners may have noted that all the plot this week falls to Villanelle because Eve is even more of a mess than usual. Oh, Eve. Yeah. So Chief Plaster's work-life balance is just... (laughs) It's a mess. It's increasingly a mess every week. Yeah, I mean, like, she has the life part, the marriage is gone, but, like, Mm -hmm. the work part, also not going great. No. So what does she have going for her? Well, not much. She, um is being very clingy towards Villanelle. Yeah, this does not seem like a promising development in their relationship. No, she's being clingy and also, like, constantly annoyed by her and, like, not hiding it, which, again, is, like, Villanelle just a couple episodes ago was like, don't talk to me like that, and she continues to talk to her like that. So I'm like, maybe don't be like that would be a good idea. But, yeah, she's, like, leaving a bunch of phone messages. She, like, is obsessing over her, which isn't new. Um, but being this like, like overt this explicit about it, about it having yeah. an open line of communication, yeah. the fact that they can text now, which we saw them do last episode, right. <laughs> is clearly, you know, a new development in their relationship, not necessarily a positive one. Yeah. But basically when the episode starts, Eve just like strolls into Villanelle's apartment. Uh-huh. So I guess they've shared that information. Yes. Villanelle is post-threesome with the uh, girls that we thought she was going to eat alive. Yes, twist ending. (laughs) (laughs) She did not eat them, but she did, like, stalk them and apparently bond with them somehow because they came back and had a threesome with her. Um, So they're leaving. Eve's, like, obviously jealous. Yeah, Villanelle's chilling on this weird, like, Ottoman bed Yeah, in her apartment that we talked about last episode. Yeah, which I guess there's going to be... There has to be a separate bedroom because the girls had to come out from somewhere. That's true. So I guess there's just a casual second bed. Sure. In the middle of a room. Why not? I saw a tweet this week that was like, I know people who have beds in the middle of their rooms are absolute murder psychopaths and... Checks out. (laughs) Just incredibly (laughs) literal, (laughs) correct prediction in this case. Yes. But basically, at one point during this conversation over how the Rome mission is going to go, Uh Eve confronts Villanelle about her feelings. You know those things you said in the meeting? Which parts? You said... You don't want anything. You don't like anything, that you're bored. Do you mean it? I don't know. You don't know if you're telling the truth or not? Not really. You don't feel anything. I feel things when I'm with you. I did not find that particularly convincing, did you? I, you know, I can't tell. There have been a couple times this season where Villanelle has done something, like when she was like crying in the mirror in Amsterdam, or like just a couple other times where she's been like very open and very emotional in regards to Eve. And I can't tell if it's real or not. I mean, I think Eve has inspired emotion in Villanelle sure. in the past, but yeah. I also get the sense that Villanelle senses that's what Eve needs to hear in yes. the moment. Yeah. Hence, like, when the girls walk out, Villanelle makes sure to tell Eve, I'm not with them when I'm with them. Yeah, which is definitely her being very honest and very real. But also, yeah, it is It is what Eve needs to hear because Eve is very overbearing and jealous right now. <laughs> yeah, and Eve needs to be reassured that she's special, even though, as Villanelle very cruelly told her last episode, I'm the only thing that makes you interesting. So, (laughs) seems a little bit codependent, a little bit toxic. Yeah. And this starts to affect her work because it it used to be an attribute that Eve is so in tune with Villanelle. But we see this conversation where she's debriefing a couple of different times, actually, with Carolyn, Mm -hmm. where Carolyn's asking her, what's her state of mind? How are you prepping her for this mission? Are you razzing her up? (laughs) And Eve basically just gives, like, the blank 
meme face. Right. Just has no response. Yeah. And she's kind of, it's, it's hard to tell if she's just like fully underestimating Villanelle or if she's just kind of like lying to Carol. And I think it's probably a little bit of both. But, you know, Carolyn is concerned about Villanelle and Eve's like, oh, she just needs to think she's in charge, which is very much underestimating Villanelle if you think you're in charge, Eve. <laughs> and I don't know. I can't tell if, if Carolyn really is as out of it as she's sort of acting and sort of like just trust Eve or if she's actually just kind of like knows what's happening and is just letting it happen. Well, it's implied <laughs> that she's certainly letting some bad things yeah. about to happen to Eve. But before then, I just thought it was interesting that we've already established that Eve doesn't have to do the red tape part of the job. Right. Already a red flag. Yeah. And she's not really doing the managing the asset part of the job. That is <laughs> apparently her only responsibility. Right. So of what utility is she to MI6? Yeah, other than just like running around and like, you know, sending Villanelle voice messages. Yeah, she really isn't doing much. <laughs> Which may be why she is probably expendable. And about to right. be extended. Right. So Eve is at Carolyn's house a couple different times. Kenny walks in, being just precious Kenny, as always. Yes, Carolyn tells us that he's been very distraught since he was laid off, which she knows because I have to live with him. I know. She's like, since you sacked him. I'm like, could you not have prevented that if you'd wanted to? I guess not. Or I have to live with him. I know. Great way to phrase cohabitating oh. with your son. Poor Kenny. So yeah, he, you know, rolls in being Kenny. And just as Eve's about to leave, he's like, hey, you forgot your charger. He runs after her. She turns around and he's like, don't go to Rome. Very serious. Some very uncomfortable, very high camera angles just to yeah. up the tension. Yeah. And basically he starts to say the operation that I was switched to. And, and then, then Carolyn butts in there. So uh, Yeah. So clearly he can't trust his mom with whatever this information is. And yeah, I guess we can talk about this later when we're making predictions for the next episode. But or his mom knows what the information is and does right. not want it to be disclosed to Eve. Right. But a couple different ways that that could go. Um, but honestly, Kenny's always right. And we should always listen to I Kenny. I just can't <laughs> believe that he is still looking out for Eve's interests. He's the best boy. Even though she's done, He's done the best. nothing but be terrible to him. He's the goodest of boys. That's why. So sweet. Speaking of really good boys. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Slightly less good, but... Nico remains uh, protected, technically. Technically. But... Um, Tough episode for Gemma. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't think we thought Gemma was necessarily long for this world. Yeah, we were concerned. Ever since she sat down with Professor Trelawney Light. Yeah. Her days were numbered. They were. So, yeah. She... Villanelle... Meets Nico and Gemma in the storage unit uh, while they're going through his things. And nothing good ever happens in, like, those storage garages. No. Just... Never. They're very creepy. I don't know if you're watching (laughs) Dead to Me on Netflix, but it's where people hide their murder weapons. Nothing good has ever happened there. If you watch Atlanta, it's where people crash when they can't afford actual places to live. That, too. Just on TV, these are not good spaces. Um, So, yeah, as soon as they showed up there, I was like, somebody's gonna die. It was a question of who. I mean, like, when Villanelle corners them in an enclosed space, also from the moment Villanelle whips out the knife and Gemma realizes she's actually in in danger, I'm Uh pretty sure the only thing she says is Nico in that really whiny Uh voice. (laughs) And, you know, I respect human life, and I'm not in favor of murderous psychopaths, but... When Villanelle yeah. shut her up, I was like, she a was like, bit grateful. She's so annoying. I was like, yeah, yes, she really is. Also, just the fact that she's there with that teeny tiny ass knife, and they're like 
terrified just tells you a lot about her general vibe. We'll come back to that in a minute, but general things on Eve's work-life balance. Um, when they go to Rome, Eve is just having this whole thing with Villanelle, just like listening to her constantly. Just Yeah, freaks out when she can't listen to her, slips yes. her a microphone in a roll of bread. Which is super risky. Aaron Peel has seen you. He could see anyone could see you in the So me, but she literally pulls the pssst move, which is yeah. just the least subtle. I'm like, he's on the phone getting. like 10 feet away. So dumb. Um, so that was, you know, not the best move. And then once she does get the mic on, she, instead of going to bed, is listening to Villanelle and Villanelle. Villanelle knows she's listening. Uh Uh-huh, she sure does. That's that classic killing Eve. They're watching each other and they know they're being watched and they're both getting off on it a little bit. Yeah, or not a little bit. Um, So basically they have like this conference call threesome where Eve ends up sleeping with Hugo, who's like totally down for it, but also kind of like... Yeah, Hugo is not this. one to look a gift, <laughs> a gift Eve and co-worker one night stand in the mouth. Yeah, and so she's got Villanelle in her ear and it's just a whole thing. Yeah, it was not clear to me that Villanelle was necessarily coaching her through the whole time until the next morning. When she takes, when she out, she takes the out the earpiece. <laughs> and Hugo, bless his heart, takes one look at it, knows exactly what has just uh-huh. happened because a player knows the yeah. game oh, and yeah. is like, thanks for the threesome. Yeah, which tough, also like for Hugo. Yeah, you know, it sucks to have what's what you have done unto others done to you, right. dude. Like, I yeah, love how, right. how hurt he is. And it's like, have you ever respected a woman once in your entire life? He is not. I don't think um, so. But yeah, it, I love how quickly Eve's coworkers see through her bullshit. Like, Jess is just onto her from day one. Hugo also is, like, onto her in a totally different way where he just, like, understands her relationship with Villanelle. And I just love that Hugo just immediately picked up on that and was like, Eve is fucked up enough to do this, and that's exactly what she just did. And I just love it. They're just so onto her. You know, it's important <laughs> to have people in your life who check your perspective and yeah, yeah. give you some much-needed feedback. They really do. So before we get into our seat of the week, we have a word from our sponsors. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash recap. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash recap. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-E-C-A-P. ZipRecruiter.com slash recap. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, we're back. It is time for Scene of the Week. All right. We have a, a couple of candidates, actually. Yes, yeah. But I think the the clear winner between the both of us was what we have branded the Psychopath Summit, <laughs> where Aaron and Villanelle just put out into the open exactly what they are and the very different ways they have dealt with it. I know everything about everyone. I could get into your phone's camera and watch you sleep. You're the only person in the world I know nothing about. Nothing real. A void. 
That's me. I thought so. Me too. Do you ever get lonely? Never. I'm with people all the time. I know things about them, even their closest friends don't know. You don't want to talk to them? Touch them, sleep with them? God, no. Do you? Yeah. I do, all the time. I think it's worth pointing out that the reason why Billy does not have an internet footprint is not because she's a psychopath, but because she's the secret identity of a Russian assassin for hire. Uh huh. And also because you fired Kenny, <laughs> who just fucked up. Um, yeah, but I think like he also is just recognizing that she is the same kind of person that he yes. is. Yeah, like metaphorically, yeah. he's right on the money. Yes. She is a void. Yes. And then right after this this exchange, they both are just sitting on opposite ends of the couch and just like turn and like face the front and just like these little weird like opposite psychopaths that they are. Yes. And they're both just like very childlike and very confused, but also like just kind of bonding. Yes. So Aaron's reaction to his condition is clearly to withdraw and attempt uh-huh. to control and to sever any real connection and just make everything a totally impartial object-subject yes. thing. And then Villanelle is to just go sensory overload right. and just immerse herself in the world and do as much things as possible in the hope of, like, stimulating something by accident. Right. I love that they're just so sort of confused by each other in this moment, but also, like, really relating to each other more than they relate to almost anyone else. And also right after this, Hugo and Eve kind of look at each other and Hugo's like, do they just like team up? Like, are they, do we need to be worried about- Yeah, do we need to call back up? Yeah, exactly. Like, did Villanelle just team up with this other psychopath? Because like, she suddenly is relating to him. So yeah, I guess we'll see. But this was great. Yeah, TBD. And then one other scene that we really liked was Eve goes to the mental hospital- um, Broadmoor. Broadmoor, yes. That we, we saw the guy who came and gave the PowerPoint presentation from- earlier in the episode, but she goes to talk to him about Villanelle. And speaking of seeing through bullshit, he immediately is like, most of the time when people come to me about someone else, they're really talking about themselves. Yeah, this guy is like, actually like really a a professional. (laughs) Like really good. I was like, oh. To her credit, (laughs) Eve does not really put up much resistance and they have a fascinatingly transparent conversation. How much of the day do you spend thinking about her? Most of it. Are you two in a relationship? Define relationship. Are you having sex? No. How are things at home? My husband left me. Are you behaving differently, doing things that you normally wouldn't? Yes. Do you feel unsafe? How else do you feel? Right now. I feel... wide awake. So even more than with Hugo, who's kind of the only other person she's really intimated with the real nature of her relationship with Villanelle is like, Uh this is the most open we've ever heard her be about what's really going on. Yes, for sure. And it's concerning, but it's also sort of fascinating to see her be totally honest and sort of be honest with herself about 
what's suddenly become like a real issue with her sort of personality and like her relationship with Villanelle. Cause it's not just, I think her relationship with Villanelle, it's like how she's actually changed as a person and mm-hmm. whether she's kind of turning more towards the dark side, so to speak. Yeah. And it calls back to that conversation from last season's finale where she's saying to Villanelle, I think about you all the time. And this is a little less charged and a little more clinical, just like, mm-hmm. let me list exactly how awry my life has gotten. Yes. And before they have any time to unpack it, she just gets up and walks away. <laughs> but, Not a great sign. But, you know, great I mean, scene. Yeah, and it's good that she's being honest with herself and recognizing that this is a problem. And he basically is like, I don't want you to end up here. And, you know, it's the way that she leaves it, it's like, that's not out of the question at the moment. Yeah, she leaves and then, you know, she's honest enough with herself to realize what's happening, but not honest enough to realize that she definitely should not be going to Rome and putting herself in the middle of two violent psychopaths that Uh she has intentionally put in the same room. Exactly. So that wasn't great, but... What is great, (laughs) great segue, I'm great at this, Uh is Jodie Comer-Can. Oh, yeah. Our favorite segment. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of, there's one operatic murder, which obviously we'll get to. Yes. But this was a more subtle week for Jodie Comer-Can. We had to dig into ourselves. We did. And obviously we found something. Of course. But here's what we came up with. All right. First of all, Jodie Comer-Can stalked me and my friend late at night in what appears to be a serial killery way then ultimately take us both home for a casual threesome before forgetting both our names the next morning. So cruel and so merciful at the uh-huh. same time. Yeah. Jody Comer can extract my recipe for shepherd's pie at knife point and not even write it down, thereby guaranteeing she'll forget the Worcester sauce that is the secret ingredient. I knew you would have feelings about that. Allison's a big recipes woman. I know. I've never made shepherd's pie. Maybe I should have written down what Nico was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a good one online somewhere. Jody Comer can talk me through a sort of conference call sexting threesome with my fuckboy coworker who has no idea what's going on. Definitely doesn't deserve this, no matter how annoying he is. I would contest the last part of that, <laughs> but she definitely can. Jody Comer can make sure I know my work crush is still in love with his soon-to-be ex-wife before she strangles me to death with a plastic bag. Man, tough way to go. R.I.P. Gemma. <laughs> Very tough final moments for Gemma. How do we think this is going to affect the Nico-Eve relationship? You know, uh, not well. I mean, it's already... <laughs> it's already done. It's already over. How much worse can it get? Um, I think we're going to find out, probably. Yeah. But, yeah, I am worried about that. We can, we can touch more on that, too, in our predictions for the finale. This is correct, because we do have... We have more important things. Kind of a supersized fit of the week segment uh-huh. this And we week. even skipped some. There were some in the episode where I was like, should I write this down? And then I was like, we already have too much. You know, it's in Rome. She's, you know, being bought for by this gazillionaire. Yes. Obviously, we're going to have some dope fits. God bless Killing Eve. They really know how to use clothes as a plot device and as a way to express the relationship between two people. It's true. So we're going to get to that in a moment. But first, the loungewear continues. Oh, my gosh. Just an amazing blue and white kimono that she just is wearing around her clutch apartment to answer her mail and stuff. I need to know about, like, all of her kimonos, all of her just—just all of her loungewear, all of her robes. I want all of it. I know. She's got an Orientalist streak for sure, but it's not She's never worn, just, like, a pajama set in her entire life, and I respect that. This is true. Except for, okay, the first episode of the series. Oh, but. Well, <laughs> beyond that, she's never voluntarily worn a pajama set. Thank you. Fair. She's worn prison outfits, I guess. Right. That kind of counts. 
I was just really interested in how she dresses when she is Billy. Uh-huh. I do think it is distinctly a little bit different from Villanelle's natural yeah. style. It's sort of like influencer chic. Yes. We get a repeat of the of the snazzy pink furry coat. Yes. And then when she's in lunch in the restaurant, there's a lot of jewelry and adornment, which mm-hmm. I don't think Villanelle naturally goes for. No. But like lots of chunky rings and that like a necklace. Uh-huh. Just lots going on there. Yes. The jeans we only get indirect shots of. Yeah. Kind of at the end when she walks back into her apartment, you can see like the high-waisted jeans with the belt. Yeah. They're like embellished and they have these rainbow patches. Yeah. And it's very all over the place. Very yeah. crowded. A lot and, of rainbow, different colors. Yeah. I think Philadelphia in general prefers simplicity. So it's definitely very like ostentatious and high style. Mm-hmm. But I think her natural look is a little yes. more... So <laughs> this was a big moment for Allison Herman. <laughs> yeah, there's a her outfit in the storage locker is this like coordinated plaid, high-waisted trouser, crop shirt, which for those of you listening at home, literally right now I am wearing <laughs> a cropped pattern shirt over high-waisted pants. I I slacked Allison when I saw this scene and was like, you've literally worn this outfit. <laughs> <laughs> this is, to me, what the succession of lady suits that we got last episode yes. was to Kate. We're both being respectively pandered it's, to it by was the great. department. I was a big fan of the Gemma murder outfit. So this brings us to Rome. Obviously, a pivotal plot point in this show has been Villanelle intentionally buying clothing for Eve right. as a power-slash-seduction move. Yes. and Very effective. <laughs> maybe as effectively, Aaron, like, junks Eve Villanelle's suitcase complete uh-huh. with the microphone that she was supposed to use to surveil him. Right. And we see this whole beautiful rack of incredibly expensive clothes. We're told that this jacket that she wears to lunch took hundreds of hours to make. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible? One of my favorite, I think one of my favorite pieces in the show. So Interesting. Far. I was not quite sure that this was like naturally Villanelle style. I agree. Which is the point, I yeah. think. Yeah. It's like what he thinks Billy's style should be. Whereas it's, like, not Villanelle style and it's not Billy's style because, like, he's dressing her. I guess it's Aaron Peel's style. But, yeah, it's it's sort of just, like, be impressed by this as opposed to, like, actually enjoy this. Yes, this is also very on-brand for me, but I got some hard Reynolds Woodcock vibes <laughs> yes. from Phantom Thread. Yeah, that's in this a great relationship. Point. There's the, like, I'm going to remake you in my image. Yes. I'm going to, there's a weird power play involving food. Uh-huh. There's pushback, which I kind of like and kind of don't like. Yeah, yeah, you're right. With the belt scene where he tells her to take off the belt, that's very much like, maybe you have no taste. <laughs> maybe I like my own taste. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you're right. He she puts on a belt with this outfit, and he's like, "Take off the belt; it doesn't match." Like very emphatic. Kind of correctly, I you know yeah. the ruffle blouse already <laughs> looks great, just tucked into the pants. Doesn't need a belt. Um, but also, there's this moment where he like arranges her like a painting and like makes her stay that way. Yeah, which obviously is just like a power move and just to exert his control. But that's like another one where you can tell like is Villanelle like dying inside or is she like kind of fascinated by this game. Again, we will see. We will see. But first, we just have another minor edition of Decor Corner. Our Gotta do it. Our of the look of the, of the fit of the week. The Palazzo is incredible. Yeah, it's so, it's both like insane and opulent and Baroque. And there's all this super period detail that has been preserved and restored. Mm-hmm. But then it's also just outfitted like a boutique hotel or something. Right. <laughs> It's got those, you know, muted, low to the floor. I feel like that bed could be in any Weston. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's an interesting combination. 
We knew that Rome would, like, come through for us, and it really did. Great set design. Yes. Also very minor detail, but I did love in the otherwise very shabby hotel that Hugo and Eve are using to, Mm -hmm. you know, spy on them. Just great wallpaper, very geometric. Yeah. Listen, a hotel room in Rome is still going to be more chic than a hotel room anywhere else. That is absolutely (laughs) true. And we already talked about Villanelle's apartment, but just we we get more more details about her choices every week. Yes, yes. So... Carolyn Light episode. So. It was. It was, and that's the only reason that this this next category is pretty light this week. Um, this is the quote of the week: "Rat holding a can of Coke award." Not much, Carolyn. But I think two out of three of these are still exactly lines. like she's just so efficient using her time on screen. She still gives us uh. gems like. Let Villanelle know that the safe word is gentleman. We're running out of good safe words. <laughs> and then there's another play on that later where Villanelle's like, how am I going to use that in a sentence? Um, I guess Great we'll see. bit. I actually thought the problem was that it's just like too normal of a word. Right, same. I know. I thought that that would be like, like it would be very easy to just say, oh, you're agreed. such a gentleman. Great. Agreed. It, she must just not like count on countering any gentleman, which is probably true. And then Carolyn also, you know, is giving Eve instructions and she goes, she mustn't kill Aaron. I mean it. I hate to be strict, but she really mustn't kill anyone. <laughs> You know, a great time to have said that would have been before Villanelle actually killed someone uh-huh. on yeah. the job. Yeah, we're like, oh, for two on the, on that note. <laughs> yeah, you know, you didn't have a problem with this last week, Carolyn. I don't know what's changed in the meantime. Uh, and then yeah. finally, we have Eve just chats with a dude who turns out to be a triple murderer of women uh-huh. at the criminal hospital. And when she is informed that he's killed three women, she just responds, he could kill the shit out of me. Honestly, I get it. I get it. I mean, I get it, but like not about him. <laughs> right. We've true. already talked, we've talked true. extensively about who can violently murder true. us on the yeah, show. You're right. You're right. We can only random. have one. Great week for the Killing Eve Extended Universe. It was. It was packed. So I think we need to start with there was a really essential piece of investigative journalism published this week. <laughs> it was in The Atlantic. It was written by Amanda Mole, and it is called I Broke Breakfast. Americans eat a narrower variety of foods for breakfast than anyone else. It doesn't have to be this way. So last week we had the great quote where Carolyn's like, breakfast, it's just eggs all the time. Why? Who decided? And this is that quote in article form. Well, it tells us who decided. It does. And it turns out it's like some combination of big cereal and the industrial revolution. (laughs) Big cereal. just Carolyn is a prophet. She is a thought leader. We should all pay attention to her and this article and eat a broader spectrum of foods for breakfast. A lot of breakfast discourse this week, and I think it can all be traced back to Carolyn and her AirPods. Also this week, the BAFTAs. Again, why are all these award shows still happening in I don't late know. April, early May? I I'm don't know. obviously overjoyed. Uh-huh. But so the BAFTAs TV awards, which I just learned are separate from their film Same. awards, <laughs> happened this week. And Killing Eve basically swept. Yeah, three trophies, best drama series, best actress for our girl Jody. And Best Supporting Actress for Fiona Shaw. Maybe the most exciting one to me personally was Fiona's. I was just really excited that in American TV award culture, obviously Sandra Oh is a way more known quantity because Mm -hmm. of all her years on Grey's Anatomy. So even though I would say they are roughly equal and Jodi's role is actually way showier, Sandra is the one who it's easier to campaign for. So she got the Emmy nomination. She won the Golden Globe. It's just really cool to see that like reverse because... Jody is British, so I'm sure that yes. helps her <laughs> over there. Do you think this is going to kind of set the tone for the Emmys campaign this year? Like pushing Jody and Fiona? 
Maybe. I just, I never know what to say for the Emmys because they're right. literally like 5,000 shows. Right. I would just like to observe that the ladies of Killing Eve, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Jodie Comer, and Fiona Shaw, coordinated their outfits. They did. In the most excellent, like they were all wearing like single colors. Yeah. Like long trails and interesting shoulder covers. Right. Yeah, they were like, it was almost like a like how a girl group dresses in the same way where they don't match, but they're coordinated. Like, they look good separately and they don't look stupid together, but, like, you can tell they all, like, planned it. Yeah, it was, it was very great. Charlie's Angels. Yeah. <laughs> just looking at the image of all three of them holding their weird their trophies. Ugh, perfect. Just warms my heart. Great and then stuff. Uh, less, <laughs> my heart is less warmed less by this exciting. next item, but we do need to address it. We do. Um, so, yeah, shortly after we recorded last week, before last week's episode, Taylor Swift had this Entertainment Weekly cover that came out. She talked about a lot of her pop culture interests. Um, some of them were very basic, like SVU and Game of Thrones. However, huge Phoebe Waller-Bridge fan and huge Killing Eve fan. She said, I'm really obsessed with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She makes you crack up, shocks you, and breaks your heart all in the span of a few minutes in that show, which she's talking about Fleabag. Second season comes out soon. It's great. Thank you for doing the plug. You knew, you knew I was going to do <laughs> it if you did it. <laughs> um, and then she also talked about Killing Eve. She said, I don't think we've seen such a lovable psychopath. Oh, God, it's so intoxicating. We've only ever seen that kind of endearing badness in men. Until recently, when we started to see female characters that are able to break through the constant likability challenge we find ourselves in. Shout out to the PR person who wrote that. Yeah, I was about to say, well said, tree pain. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Just what a tea time crossover. Yeah, seriously. But, you know, I like to think that Taylor Swift really does love Killing Eve because I like to think everyone loves Killing Eve. Sam, I also (laughs) have no trouble believing that Taylor Swift identifies with Villanelle. Great stuff. And she actually talked about it again on Ellen, where she and Ellen were like, Killing Eve, huh? And Ellen's like, yeah, Killing Eve's great. Um, So, yeah. Ellen has definitely not watched more than five minutes of Killing Eve in her life. That feels right. Ellen's got a lot going on. But, yeah, real quick, go back to Fleabag. Fleabag season two, out May 17th. Yes. Actually, once this episode drops, it will have been out for several days. You're right. So, if you're listening to this and you haven't already watched all of Fleabag season two, three times through, what's wrong what with you? What are you doing with your life? Six episodes, half hour each. You could burn through that on a Saturday morning. I burned through half of it while I was waiting for this podcast recording to start. See? Very doable. Um, so, yeah, add that to your list. Or you could wait to like a couple weeks until Killing Eve is over, and then you can like move on and recover from your Killing Eve. Post killing you depression. Oh, true. It can with, wean you off with Fleabag season two. You just have a lot of options. You do. I will have a piece about it up on the ringer.com, a very good yeah. website. I guess tomorrow after we're recording this. Yes. But just incredible show following another incredible show. Yes. Great stuff. And we only have one episode left. We do. In this action packed season. We do. What do we think is going to happen? Okay, so we sort of set the tone for a couple of these earlier. First off, Kenny's warning. Very ominous. Um, What do we think his operation has to do with what is currently happening with Even Villanelle? How do we think that's going to play out? I mean, I definitely think Carolyn's going to try to not murder Eve, but have Eve murdered. So you think she's in on it? Yeah, no, I definitely think it's part of the, you know, it's already established she's not having Eve establish a paper trail, which I'm sure makes it much easier when you're throwing someone under the bus. Okay, so you think she is working with whatever operation Kenny is is working with? Or maybe the operation is a sort of internal affairs type situation, which would feel very suited to Kenny's interests. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we know MI6 is corrupt. I agree, I think it seems like 
Carolyn will end up working against. I just think Eve. we are overdue for some kind of revelation of yeah. Carolyn's intentions. We literally Extremely still don't know overdue. what she was doing in that Russian yeah. prison. Yeah, it's and been that all was, season. <laughs> that was a season and a half ago, basically, at You're this right. point. So. Okay, so then how do we think that our new psychopathic buddies are going to— Are they going to team up on the normies like Hugo is afraid of? Or do we think Villanelle is going to stick with Eve? I think it's too obvious for them to team up. I agree. I just think, like, they wouldn't have Hugo literally turn and be like, do you think they're going right. to team up? Also, like, they don't have that much in common. Like, they, the only thing they have in common is that they, like, don't feel things like normal humans. On the other hand, what is Villanelle's incentive to work for MI6? Like, right. money is part of it, but obviously Aaron has way more of that than right. they do. And yeah. Eve is part of it, but then their relationship is on the rocks. Right. I think what we're going to go for is, like, Maybe a double-double cross where Villanelle fucks over both MI6 and Aaron Peel, mm-hmm. or just a fake out where it seems like she goes with MI6 and then or with Aaron Peel and then eventually helps out Eve. Yeah. But so do you think just, you know, making some fun predictions, how will things play out post-Gemma murder? Do we think that that will affect Eve's relationship with Villanelle or whether, like, it'll just be like Nico's out anyway? Uh I think Villanelle was super right that. Eve would care if she murdered her totally husband and just, yeah. like, is not going to care when she murders the right. emotional affair person. I'm worried that, like, Nico's going to, like, call in some authorities. Because I think this is kind of the first person that Villanelle has murdered where it can be traced back exactly to who she is. And, like, we like Nico knows about Villanelle. He knows who she is. He has all this information about her. He knows that she's working with Eve. So, like, this is kind of, like, the first one where, like, he could technically call up some authorities and, like, actually... Yeah, and there's not that thing of, like, oh, this person was clearly a criminal, Right, this was just a cold-blooded murder. Yeah. So I'm a little worried about that. I feel like Villanelle might be on the run, like, at the end of this season. Maybe with Eve, maybe without Eve. Maybe Eve will be, like, in jail for whatever happens with Carolyn. we're overdue for Villanelle has broken totally with her former employer and is totally right. in a new territory. Yeah. I think we need that to happen with Eve as well. Uh-huh. Maybe they'll be, go on the run together. Because Eve is kind of breaking bad. You know? Yeah. Going full, like, Daenerys Targaryen on us. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe... Constantine hasn't had a lot to do. Maybe she's just going to take over for Constantine. Yeah, I would be down with ending this season with, like, Eve and Villanelle on the run together, psychopathic girlfriends. And Carolyn and Constantine is, like, mom and dad on their trail. Yeah, yeah. I would be into that. That seems like a good a good note to end on. Yeah. Just the image of Bonnie and Bonnie riding <laughs> into the Bonnie. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I'm hoping for that. Fingers crossed. All right, guys. We will see you on Sunday for our final installment of this season. I'm sure we'll have a lot to unpack. Until then, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> 